we have no reason to be afraid. It may seem scary. <laughs> the devil likes to think that he's scary. He thinks he's all big and bad. He ain't no comparison to our God. They're not polar opposites. They're not even in the same playing field. Our God's on a whole other level this morning. Thank you, Lord. Let's give him one more hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are bigger than any of my problems. You're bigger than any of my current circumstances. You're bigger than any of the things that I face and I come against, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I feel in the house of the Lord this morning. I feel God has a word for us here today. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Thank you for all our guests for being here as well, as well as my mother and her husband, Rich, for coming from the, the church. They're coming this morning. Thank you for being here. They have church at 2. They have a little bit later. Actually, Brother Bernard's going to be preaching at their church. So one of the very few times I have to say Brother Bernard's going to follow my preaching. I'm so honored. So honored this morning. <laughs> but I do thank them for being here. Thank you for all of you that have been here as well. Uh, remember, this is our, we're in our, the midst of our, our Heritage Month. Uh, we're celebrating this on the 16th. Brother David Norris is going to be preaching here as well. A phenomenal speaker. You're not going to want to miss that service. I can guarantee you. Any Sunday can happen. You want to be here. But that service for well, you do not want to miss it. Amen. It's going to be a wonderful time. Let's turn our Bibles. We're going to get into the Word of God here. Uh, let's turn to Psalms 145. Psalms 145, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7 this morning. Hallelujah. Psalms 145, 1 through 7 says, I will extol thee, O God, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to the other and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous work. And thy men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts and I will declare their greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and I shall sing of thy righteousness. Focusing on verse 4 and 7, one generation shall praise thy works to another and declare thy mighty acts. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. This morning, I want to talk for a little bit this morning about leaving a spiritual legacy. Leaving a spiritual legacy. Can we put our Bibles down? Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Pray that he has his way for the rest of this sermon. Heavenly Father, we pray one more time before we go into the word, Lord, that you would open our ears, God. You would open our eyes to understand and see your word and what you have for us this morning. I pray that you would touch this vessel of clay as it ministers your word and the word that you put on my heart, God. Let it fall on good ground this morning. And I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us will be blessed from hearing and pointing to your word and what you have for us for us, God. We will dedicate this service to you. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor this morning. And let the church say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the word of God. Leaving a spiritual legacy. Webster defines the word legacy as something that is transmitted by or received from an ancestor or a predecessor or someone from the past. 
Legacy is something that you leave behind you for the next person so that they can have a better future. That's why a lot of parents think about what is my legacy going to be. I wanted something better for my kids. I may have had it great, but I want them to have it better. Amen? So when you hear the word legacy, what kind of things come to mind? When I was kind of writing the sermon, some things that came to my mind and said, well, maybe some would think maybe having a, a wonderful building like a library or a wing of a university, you know, dedicated. That's my legacy. It's got my name right on there. I can take a picture next to it. You know, that's, that's my building. That's my legacy. Or maybe having a highway named after me. Hopefully it's not one of the horrible ones that have traffic because then people will be cursing your name on the highway. It would be horrible. Others might say that passing on family heirlooms would be good, saving those and passing down for generation, or, or maybe sending, uh, having some memories and, and pictures that we pass along throughout the generations would be a legacy. Others might say that maybe my extremely large inheritance that I'm giving my kids and my grandkids, that's going to be my legacy. Right, Mom? That's, that's the point. Okay, amen. That's the legacy that we're going to be leaving. <laughs> And these things are all fine and dandy. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do some of these things and passing on some, some physical things to our, uh, our, our people that come behind me, to the next generation. But there's one problem with all these things. They're all temporary. Buildings, highways, family heirlooms, pictures can all be destroyed. We've seen it on the news of people's houses that burn in horrible fires or hurricanes come, they lose everything. All those things they thought they were storing up are all wiped away. They were praying for the next generation. In a moment's instant, those things were gone. Memories can, can fade and be forgotten. Every time we access a memory, they say it gets weaker and weaker because sometimes we're having to go back to that part of our brain. So sometimes when it gets old, it's harder to bring back some of those things so that we access those memories. They can fade or they're not passed from generation to generation. And I'm sure we all know that money can be depleted. That inheritance that you received ain't maybe going to last you for a long time unless you have a smart invest, investment and that could even fade away even after that. Unless someone's going to you know, will me a money tree that you might have, that would be great. I'll take that inheritance. But money will be depleted. This is why Matthew says in his gospel, Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Lay not up treasures for yourself upon earth where moth and dust, dust corrupt and those where thieves will break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor dust can corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Many people maybe think about, how am I going to build my physical, uh, my physical legacy? What's going to be going on with this economy? And what am I going to be leaving for my kids? And valid thoughts to have, but are we thinking about our spiritual legacy? Are we thinking about what we're leaving for the church that comes behind us? Are we thinking about our children and what we're passing to them in the spirit realm? Are our hearts and minds focused on building and, building and building and maintaining our spiritual life? Saying, God, I want you to use me to leave a spiritual legacy in this church. I want you to use me to leave a spiritual legacy in my family and in this city. I want you to point to me so I can point to you and say, the next generation will know you. They're not going to forget you because I'm not going to let them with my power. The next generation will know that you are God. The next generation will know that you are a holy God and that you provide. When you start thinking about your spiritual legacy, it changes your focus from what can I get from the Lord to what can I leave behind. What can I give and pass on to them that I can tell all the wonderful things God's done for me? Our witness can be a legacy. 
to the people that we pass behind. That's why we didn't wisdom from the pew. We are literally passing on our legacy to the church and saying, this is what God's done for me. And I know if he's done it for me, he can do it for you as well. It's not just to say, oh, I'm so wonderful. God's done so many wonderful things for me. No, it's saying, hey, guess what? I was in your same exact spot. I didn't have money for bills and God provided for me. So if he did it for me, I know he can touch your finances. I know if he did it in the past, he can do it in the future. I know that if he's done it in the current generation, he'll do it in the future generation. Whose light can I shine a light into? I come to tell you, church, we need a generation that's going to think beyond number one. So many times we come to church and say, God, I need this. God, I need this. Lord, I'm here for me. I'm here for me. And that's fine. He wants to have a communication for you. But we need a church that's forward thinking. We need a church that says, how is my life leading to building the kingdom of God? Whose lives can I impact? So when I'm gone, this message is still here. This message is still going to impact the city of Belleville. Even when I'm dead and gone, the word will still be here until he returns. What can I do? What's going to be my legacy. We don't want to become like the children of Israel who over time, time and time again, lost their passion and their zeal for the love of God. Judges 2.10 says, and also all the generations were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. God delivered Israel so many times. That means that there's another generation that rose up that had no clue of what God had done in the past. They didn't pass it on to their children and their grandchildren to say, hey, God delivered us from Israel, from from Egypt. They brought us through the Red Sea. They knew not the Lord. They had forgotten him. They're not doing what David said in our opening text, which said, one generation shall praise thy works unto another and shall declare thy mighty acts, passing your goodness on from us unto the next. People were no longer talking about the goodness of the Lord. People were no longer talking about the experiences the Lord had done for them. They're no longer shouting and singing their praises like we did this morning. Amen. As we've been singing some of these old songs, older songs, I won't say old songs, older songs, not current, but still just as powerful still just as powerful when they were originally, originally wrote. I, my mind wonders when we sing these, I wonder what some of the authors had on their mind or what God laid on their heart when they penned these words. When that song says, I cling to the old rugged cross, what was going on in their life to say, you know what, I have nothing in this world that I can hold on to, but I'm going to cling to the old rugged cross. I'm going to lay all my treasures down before the cross, before the mighty works of God. What went on through their minds and their hearts? I always find that story behind the song interesting. But no matter the circumstances, I'm sure the authors at that time had no foreknowledge that those songs were going to last for 20 years, 100 years, 200 years, that people would still be singing. But it happened because people took those songs and passed them through the years. It blessed not only the current generation, but their legacy were those songs that still bless our hearts today, that we can still lift up and say, there is power in the blood. There was power in the blood 50 years ago. There was power in the blood 100 years ago. And there's power in the blood in 2022. This morning, I need you to hear the God is still the same God today that he was in the times of these songs when they're preaching them, when they're singing them, we can uplift them and say, you're the same God. The same God this morning. Those circumstances, they're still blessed. That is their legacies. 
If we're looking for examples in the Bible from spiritual legacies, you're going to have to look no further than Abraham, right at the beginning, close to the beginning, 22 chapters in the beginning. Abraham left a legacy for Isaac in multiple ways. We see this, that Abraham built altars. In the Bible, an altar signifies a prayer life. It signifies a hunger for more of God and a willingness to sacrifice. If they built an altar, they're going to use that altar for a sacrifice. Church, let me tell you this morning, those that are not willing to sacrifice are not out there building altars. The people who are not willing to sacrifice are not willing to build that altar. If someone takes the time to build an altar in our modern times to cultivate a relationship with God, then they're not going to be willing to put something on that and sacrifice it because they haven't put in the time for it. There's no worship. More likely, there's no altar either because they never built that altar. We need to make sure this church, if we want to leave a legacy, we have to have a legacy of altar builders. We have to have a legacy of those that are willing to put in the time and say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. If I'm going to be able to pass this on, I need to make sure that I and you are on the same page. Not that I just hear about you, but that I know who you are. That I put in the time and worshiped you, built an altar of sacrifice, of worship unto you. We have to be altar builders. Abraham, he built altars and he dug wells as well. The heart, this, this, the digging a well speaks of hard work and a willingness to perpetually bless others. Perpetually bless others. I personally have never dug a well. I'm sure as many of you were surprised this morning. But I did help my mom with some landscaping about, I don't know, a couple years ago uh, in her old, um, older mobile home. We had to move some dirt out and move new dirt in, level it out, and make sure it's all filled with mulch and moving bricks and stones and all that stuff. And it was, it was just an afternoon, but for me, it was a lot of work um, for someone that's not used to physical labor. <clears throat> I know my body may look like I may like I'm built for it, but trust me, my heart's not in it. <laughs> my heart is not in it. I would imagine that digging a well is going to be a hundred times harder than trying to just do some little landscaping that's going to be around there. It puts some consecrated effort to dig that well because you have to get that cool water that's real deep. You don't want the surface water where the, water where the sun's been beating down on it real nice and warm. The coolest water comes from well water. It may not taste as great, but it's cold as can be, I can tell you down there. And even after digging that well of Abraham that Abraham did, it was still leaving a legacy. Because even after he built that well, the people of the Israelites were nomads at that time, meaning that they roamed from town to town. So even after he built the well, they could leave and they could bless the next generation that came behind them. They left something and said, I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to bless whatever is here right now. But when I move on, they can look back at that well and say, hey, that's for you. I built that for you. People can come in and they can use that. The Philistines got so mad at him, they filled in his wells. They didn't want, they didn't want to use it for their own. They're like, no, they're not blessing. Then we're going to fill it in. The enemy wants to fill in wells this morning. They knew all about that. So even though they left a well, he built wells and he built altars. My prayer as well for this congregation this morning, as I mentioned, God would build, would bring up and raise up altar builders and well diggers. 
to have a congregation that is willing for all of us to put in the time to build and cultivate that relationship as we are and to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. We don't have to do the animal sacrifices anymore. We're not building an altar. God, when he came down in human form as Jesus, paid it all on the cross. So now we just present our lives as a living sacrifice to bless the kingdom of God, bless those that come after us. So we know that Abraham left a legacy for Isaac because Isaac picked up on these things. He didn't just build these altars and dig these wells alone. He passed it on into Isaac. We see that we know that Isaac knew some of these things because we see it when Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. In Genesis 22, it says, It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I which that in itself will preach. <laughs> Abraham, behold, here am I. If we're going to leave a legacy, we have to be able to hear the voice of God that says, Jake, yes, sir, I'm right here. What is it, Lord? <laughs> what is it that you have for me to do? Because I'm ready, God, for whatever it may be. He said, Abraham, Abraham said, behold, here am I. He said, take thy son, thy only son, Isaac, that thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell of thee. Abraham rose up in the morning, saddled his donkey, he took two of the young men with him and Isaac his son, and he claved the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose up, went to the place which God told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. He saw that the place was afar off. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. We'll go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Abraham took the wood. He put it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand, a knife, and they went both of them together. Here it is. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, and he said, My father, he said, Hear my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I see the components of sacrifice. I see you have the fire. I see you have the wood, but where's the lamb for the offering. See, Isaac didn't think that they were going up on that mountain to have a nice father-son time up on Mount Moriah. You know, going to have some, some s'mores, sing kumbaya around the fireplace. No, that's not what Isaac knew they were do, going to do. Isaac knew they were there to sacrifice. Isaac knew that what was involved in sacrifice, where do you think he got it from? He didn't just come up with it on his own. It wasn't a divine revelation. Abraham installed some things into Isaac that said, hey, come along with me. Let me show you what we do to please God. Come along with me. Let me show you what it means to sacrifice to the Lord, to worship him. I don't know what you're going to go through in your life, but you need to know how to sacrifice. He instilled it in Isaac to know what it was to worship God. He didn't leave him out. Verse 8 says, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for burnt offering. So they both went together. And when it came to pass that God, when it came to the place which God had told them of, Abraham built an altar there. See, I told you, you built altars. <laughs> he laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar of wood. And Abraham stretched forth his son and his knife to slay his son. Now at this point in time, I cannot imagine what Abraham must have been going through. The thoughts that are in his mind. I was thinking about that as I was, as I was writing this, just to think if that was me and to, for me to take either of my girls with me. God said, I need you to take one, and I needed to sacrifice them. I said, God, <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I had the, the faith to be able to do that. 
God, he knew that God was testing, but he knew that God had all power. See, God was asking Abraham to put his legacy on that altar. He was asking him to put the promise on the altar, saying, I know what I promised you. I know what I gave you, but are you willing to let go of all that? Are you willing to let go of the promise for my sake? Are you willing to take the hard road, which I know is going to crush you for my sake? Are you willing to put away that legacy? And Abraham was prepared to do so. How is he going to be a father of many nations if his father, if his son was dead? Abraham had a trust in God. And I was even looking at this, I didn't bring this up. I, did, I was riding on the way home, and I knew in, uh, in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, it talked about he did it all, but he did it by faith. And not only did he do it by faith, but he had, uh, can you bring up Hebrews 11, 17 through 19? I didn't give this to Sister Ruth. This was literally a last-minute thing. <laughs> Let's bring up my word here real quick. Uh, Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. This, I'm reading out of the, the New Living Translation here. Verse 17 says, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God told him, Isaac is the son through which your descendants will be counted. Verse 19, Abraham reasoned that even if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. He had faith enough in God that says, God, if you want me to sacrifice this, I know you promised you if you're willing to sacrifice it, you can raise it up from the dead. If you told me to do it, you can raise it up from the dead. Church, this morning, if there's some things God wants us to put down, we need to put it down because it's for our own good. And if it is for our good, he can take that and turn it. He can take it this morning and turn it for good. If we lay it down willingly before the Lord, put it on the altar and say, hey God, this is yours. I know you said it was going to be for me and it can be a build me up here on earth, but truly it's yours. It always is yours, always will be yours this morning. Verse 11 says, and the angel of the Lord came unto him and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here am I. Abraham was good for hearing his name. <laughs> he was good for hearing, Lord, I'm here, whatever you need. Verse 12 says, he said, lay not thy hand upon thy lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. God's basically saying here, I promise that I'm going to give you a legacy through your son. I promised you that, but I want to know, even if I choose not to fulfill my promise, Will you trust me? Will you still search after me? Will you still seek after me this morning if I get rid of that? Are you willing to put your legacy upon the altar? Abraham was prepared to do that. I pray that each and every one of us would have that same thing today. It says, I'm willing to give up my earthly legacy. I'm willing to give up things on this earth if it means that I can have a seat in heaven. If it means that I'm going to build the kingdom, if that's what you want me to do, God, I'm there. Abraham, verse 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked and said, Behold, a ram caught in a thicket by the horde. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering in the stead of his son. His son was spared. As, as they said in Hebrews, his son literally was saved from death. Abraham called the place, of, the name of the place, Jehovah-Jireh. As he said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Jehovah-Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. I have to believe that this event stuck with Isaac. You don't just almost get sacrificed by your father and walk it off the next day. God saves you. I'm sure this moment stuck with Isaac. 
because we see him in other times. I can see if he's going through life, he's having a hard time. You know, think these lives are coming against him. He has an experience with God that he can look back and say, Jehovah Jireh. I know God provided for me. I shouldn't be here today, but God provided a sacrifice. When the storms of life would come, he could say, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide for me. I'm walking in faith because I had an experience. When I can't see the enemy comes against me, I say, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide for me. When we look back in our lives, we need to have these experiences that we can look back and say, God, I know you're Jehovah Jireh back then. You can be Jehovah Jireh today. I know that you are my provider and you will show me your greatness oh god jehovah jireh the lord will provide his word said it i claim it as being true we see that isaac did this because he didn't give up in his time of crisis in isaac's time of crisis he took the legacy that abraham left for him Abraham dug those wells that I mentioned earlier. When Isaac was running at time of trouble, where did he go? He went to those wells. He went and said, I know my father did this before. My father dug these wells. He went to him and started redigging them out. He said the Philistines filled them all in. We see it in Genesis 26. Isaac digged again the wells of water that they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father. I could try to look it up, but when it says, which they digged in the days of Abraham, it may have been that his people digged it. And I take it as Abraham, they, Abraham and Isaac, were helping digging those wells. I couldn't see just a strong young man sitting there and me digging wells, be like, son, grab a shovel. We need to get in this thing together. I'm not doing it by myself. Let me show you what it means to dig these wells. They returned to him. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley. They found a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gary, they strove with Isaac, saying, this water is ours. And he called the name of the field Essek because they strove with him. I'm sure they had to be disappointed because he knew that his father had dug those wells. So they dug another well. They strove for that as well. They called it Sitna. And then he removed from thence, and he didn't give up. He dug another well. Jehovah Jireh. They filled in this well. I'm digging another one. Jehovah Jireh. They dug another well, and they strove for that knot. And he called the name of the Rehoboth, for he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in this land. They went up from thence to Beersheba. The Lord appeared in that same night, and he said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. He announced, he said, you know that God that Abraham's dad's always talking about? You know those experiences when you were up on the mountain? I'm the God of Abraham, thy father. I'm not the only new God that you hear in these worlds. I'm the God of your father, Abraham. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. A legacy that Abraham left, that God left through Abraham into Isaac. And he, Isaac, what did he do? Verse 25, he went back to what he knew to do. Verse 25, he built an altar there. And he called upon the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and Isaac's servant dug a well. He said, I'm going to build an altar. My daddy showed me how to build an altar. My daddy showed me what it means to praise God. So in this time of trouble, God provided, I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord God of my father. Isaac was blessed because of the legacy left by Abraham. He knew the provision of the Lord because he had seen it firsthand. He knew how to build an altar because daddy did it. He knew how to dig a well because daddy did it. And he knew how to call 
upon the name of the Lord because daddy did. And I look to my dad. Parents, grandparents, can I talk to you this morning? Just like Abraham did, we have to show our kids what living for God looks like. We not need to only talk the talk, we need to walk the walk. We got to talk the talk, but we have got to walk the walk. And don't get me wrong, doing the talk is great, and we need to do the talk. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, Moses talks about his children, what God expected the parents to do with the children. He said, now these are the commandments, the statutes, and judgments. He just gave them all these laws which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, keep his statutes, his commandments, which I commanded unto thee, and thy son, and thy son's son, and all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God thy fathers has promised thee, in a land flowing with milk and honey. One of our favorite verses, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, that they shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. He didn't just stop there, though. He didn't stop there. He went to verse 7 and said, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou liest up, and when thou bind upon a sign on thy hand, and thou shalt be frontlets before thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. When they lay down, let me talk to you about Jesus. When you get up in the morning, thank God for another day. When you're going to have your meal, thank you, Lord, for this meal that we're about to have. We got to show our children, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and we should love them with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. God wanted to command our parents to teach our kids, to teach our kids. I thank God this morning for our Sunday school department and the teachers they have which are willing to dedicate their time, their money, and their energy to teach our kids this morning in the kingdom of God. They're trying to leave a legacy through our kids. So thank you personally. I'm glad you actually want everyone's up here this morning. Normally they're downstairs. So. But thank you guys for doing that. For you're leaving a legacy in our kids. By the way, they're having a trunk or treat. There's a sign back there that you can sign up for. And they're also expecting candy too. So, Shout out to the Sunday school department for that. <laughs> they do a fantastic job. But no disrespect to any of our Sunday school teachers. They do a fantastic job. But that 30 minutes to an hour, depending on who's preaching, obviously, once a week on Sunday morning, it's hard-pressed to combat the influences that this world has on our kids. Let me just be blunt. It's not going to cut it. The Sunday school lessons that they learn is not going to be enough to combat all the peer influences they have this morning. I hope this is okay, Pastor. We have got to be on our kids and provide it more than just dropping them off at Sunday school and say, here, teach my kids. I hope they get it while they're there because they're not getting it at home. We cannot do that. We have to be prepared to instruct our children in the ways of him. We have to pour into our children and our grandchildren as well. There's so much in this world right now that, that, that wants to replace the things of God, the things that were once sacred. Our, our community and our world, the stage, says nothing is sacred anymore. Everything is out the window. 
And I know all generations, we have many generations here, have gone through trials in which culture has tried to affect our kids in different ways and, and mold them and peer pressure and all that stuff. But it, it just seems today because of technology, because of how everything is just all connected, someone from across the world that has a video camera can get right to your kid. It can influence them. They have had no idea of who this person was before, but nowadays just at a click of a button, they can be talked to from whoever it is. Whoever has something to say for them. From either anyone with a, a TikTok or a Snapchat or Instagram access, they can have access at the click of a button to our kids. I would say Facebook, but we know kids are not on Facebook these days. So that's, that's no, don't worry about that. But the other ones we need to worry about. But we have to cover them in prayer. We have to be talking about the things of God and what the things of God mean and what they look like. It says we should teach them diligently into our children. When I was in um, the, I used to go to Brother, uh, Brother Jackson's church, now Brother Munn's church in Wood River, but Brother Lee Jackson was the pastor there. And we had an elder in our church, I'm sure my mom knows, Brother Elder Short. He was a wonderful, uh, godly gentleman that was there, wonderful man of God. And he, he told this story about how his mother took those verses that I read, Deuteronomy, she took those verses literally. She, was, she said that he would go out and play, and he would be out there doing anything, and he'd, uh, they'd call for him, hey, here, come here, son, come here. And he'd, he'd run there, what is it, Mom? And she goes, just want to let you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We need to serve him with all our mind, soul, strength, and might. And yes, Mom, okay, go play. And he'd go back out and play. Throughout the day, not every day, but throughout the day, he'd call back in, hey, just want to let you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We need to love him and serve him with all our soul, mind, strength. Yes, mama. Okay, he would go and play. To the day he died, he was a faithful elder of that church. And he said, I can still to this day hear my mama's voice in my ears singing, you know what, son? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You should love the God with all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. He said, I cannot get it out of my head. Repetition was what she said. When they go in, when they go out, while they're playing, I'm letting you know our God is one. And we need to love him with everything that we have. We have to fill those gaps in our kids' lives. Even when we talk to them about it, we have to, as we said, we have to lead by example. How many of you know this, that kids will see everything that you do and hear some of what you say? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Some things you get done saying like, oh, man, I, I shouldn't have yelled at them. I should have done something. You know, when's that trauma going to pop up 10 years from now? Because it doesn't matter what I say. It's the actions that I took. You know, God covered that mistake. But we have to do, we have to be conscious of those actions and instill them ourselves. They are our next generation. Psalms 127.4 says, As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are our children of youth. Just like arrows need to be, just like arrows, we need to take our kids and point them in the right direction. We cannot run with the arrow and stick it in the bullseye and say, yeah, we did it. That's not how it works. Your job, our job can only be to point them in the right direction. At some point, you have to let them go. And they have to fly straight. And you just continue to pray that that arrow does fly straight. But even if it doesn't, God can move the air. <laughs> God can move the air so that arrow can turn right back around to where it needs to go. Where we can do it, God can. I don't know, it's an interesting example, but I was thinking about it, I'm sure. I mean, you've seen the movie uh, Disney's Robin Hood. I know, Pastor, I'm sure you're well with it. Uh, during this one, Robin Hood is in an arrow or an archery competition. He's in the final shot, and he, he's winning, obviously, because he's Robin Hood, and that's what he's supposed to do. And he takes his arrow, and he lines it up. He's about to shoot his final shot right down the there, and that mean old sheriff, he takes his bow and hits it up. So when he lets it go, oh, that arrow flies in the sky. And everyone's like, oh. 
He cheated that jerk. And what does he do? Robin Hood takes another arrow out, hits it. Arrow spins in the air, hits the bullseye, splits the arrow. I was saying that's like, God, you know, you are just like that. <laughs> Some life may come along with our children. We thought we lined them up right. We thought we shot them, and they go off left. They go right dead and center, and God has things in the air. He's the prince of all, and he says, you know what? That arrow that's flying around, I'm going to send that back down. I'm going to draw that arrow right back to where it needs to be and fill that bullseye. <laughs> We can do the praying. God will do the work. So even if you have someone that is a family member that's gone off course, don't give up on them. We don't give up just because they've gone astray doesn't mean that we give up on them this morning. We keep praying for them. We keep praying that God pulls their hearts because we can only do so much. God is up to do the rest. Keep praying for them. Keep bringing them back. You may be thinking this morning, well, Brother Jake, I'm not a parent. I'm not a grandparent, so you know what? That one-third of your message don't really apply to me. I don't need to worry about a spiritual legacy. Well, guess what? You're wrong. (laughs) Every one of us has the responsibility to worry about the spiritual legacy because you know what? It's not all about us. None of us exist in a bubble. Some of us, even if you may not have kids, you have family members that may be around that you can impact. Even if you say, well, I don't have any family, I don't do anything, but, you know, maybe you work at a job. Maybe you have some have coworkers, unfortunately. So some of us may worry we didn't have coworkers. But you know what? Our coworkers need Jesus, too. Our coworkers need to know about the saving power of Jesus, too. So even though they see you on your job, they interact with you on this long time, you've been there for a while, you're leaving a legacy. Whether you know it or not, you yourself are leaving a legacy with them. The decision is what kind of legacy am I leaving? Is it going to be one that points to God? Is it one that says, Lord, you know, I hope that they see you through me. And it's not just all focused centered on ourselves. You have responsibility for them as well to point them to God. Best way is to pray that God can open up doors of conversation with them. I talked to so many that in here that says, well, our work says that, you know, that you can't talk about religion. You can't talk about politics. You can't, you can't promote that stuff. Like, okay, that's fine. But if they come up and ask me, I'm going to tell them. If they come up and say, hey, I, I see you praying over your food at lunch. I, I see you praying at your desk. Or I mentioned you go to church. People start asking you about it. People will start asking about it and say, you know what, I know you're a praying person and I have a family member that's sick. Can you pray for them as well? They have like, oh, yeah, I, I know. I, yes, I can. I can do that. Because you know what, that means they may not know who I am, but I can point them to God. I can say, I don't know what all you got going on, but you believe in something. You know, do you believe that God can touch them? Yes, I do. Then please pray for me. You're leaving a legacy with those people. Maybe they come to church. Maybe they don't come to church. They're all free moral agents. But you know what? They at least know who God is. They know that there is a God that he has power to do things. So you are leaving a legacy with your coworkers and with your bosses. How many times have we had nasty coworkers, nasty bosses that you're just, Lord, I don't know what to do with these people. And God can change them. God can change their heart and their mind, and they can leave a legacy there at work and say, you know what, I, have, you, have you seen this person? They were used to be real. Like, yeah, they kind of changed. wasn't me. That was God. <laughs> you can believe what you want, but that was God that did the work on that. They can leave a legacy there. And even if you have none of these things this morning, you say, maybe I don't have a job. I don't have any influence. Well, guess what? You're here this morning. You're here this morning. If you're here this morning, you consider this your home church, you have church family here. Look around you. This is a family. 
And with the family, you can impact lives that are here. You can encourage those that are here that need encouragement and minister to the body as we are called to do. You can minister and leave a legacy of people that are here. We in this church comes from a long way. We have many people here that you may be the, the first one, you may be the fourth or fifth generation that's being here. We have a lot of lineage together, but together we make up the collective group and we can leave a lineage for the people that come behind us. Can we all stand this morning? Every, if you're not the first one this morning, because we says we they were celebrating our heritage this morning of, of this church and the, the, uh, the apostolic church being, the truth being taught in Belleville. This church has lasted through the years because of the legacies of the leadership and the saints of this church. Because of those legacies that they left. This church was founded in 1934 out of the preaching of Brother Underwood who came to Belleville and started a church. He started a church in Belleville in 1922. And since then, according to the notes that I've been given and talking to some around here, we've had, this church has had nine pastors with three of them being Pastor Switzer, who pastored, I was told, for 36 years, Pastor Frazee for 19 years, and our pastor here, Pastor Sobolchi, for 14 years. One of the, long, the three longest-running tenured pastor. A legacy like that does not happen by accident. It doesn't just like, oh, well, we've just been here and people kept coming and, you know, I just got No, there was some hard work that was put into that. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. Is any church perfect? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know why? Because we're humans. And humans are going to make mistakes. Even in the best of intentions, there's going to be mistakes that are going to be made. Can we look back at them and say, we put that under blood? Absolutely we can. But it doesn't mean that we quit marching forward. Just because of anything that may have happened in our past or may have happened in the congregation, it doesn't mean that we give up on it and say, you know what? That was in the past, but God has a new thing tomorrow. God has something else for the next generation that's going to come up. But what is that going to look like? We cannot take responsibility for the actions or the inactions of past generations. But what this congregation has is a duty to do something that can impact this generation and the ones to come. Because what is this church going to look like in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? What's it going to look like? We may not know what it looks like, but I want to know. We say this church will still be standing because there's a congregation that says, you know what? I'm not going to stop talking about the Lord. I'm going to dedicate my life to something bigger than me, bigger than what this world has. That's for the kingdom of God. I want to keep talking about it. So while we may not know what God has in store, we know that his saving power was true yesterday as it is today. As Psalms, as our opening text, at Psalm 145, verse 4 and 7, one generation, this generation, is going to praise thy works unto the next and declare thy mighty acts. We're going to abundantly utter the memory of the great goodness and sing of his righteousness. Amen. Even if you have never received the Lord, even if you've never experienced him, you've never repented of your sins, you hear the word, you've been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, every chain has the first link. There may be, some of us may be in many, you know, daddy and mommy and granddad and great-granddad. We have a long line of, of history and lineage. Some of us may be the first link. You know what? You can make sure that that link keeps going on. You can keep remembering that that link, that the people that you influence, the people that we come in contact with, they can make sure that that sphere of, inf that sphere of influence increases and God adds more links to that chain because one person talked to. We're all here because someone told us about God. Unless you had a divine revelation with God, which does happen, someone in your life spoke to you and said, you know what? 
let me take you to Jesus. <laughs> let me tell you what the good things that he's done for us. Maybe he was a barber. Maybe it was, you know, maybe it was your mom and dad. Maybe it was a store clerk. All of us have our different stories. But we could be that person for the next people. We could be that person that says, let us show you, Jesus. Please see Jesus through us. This morning, I think it would behoove us. I want to open these altars if we want to come and pray. But I think it would behoove us for all of us to find a place to pray this morning. To take an inward look and say, God, what does my spiritual legacy look like this morning? God, what is it that you want to do in this place? What is it you want to do with me in this church? Is there something that you want to, to lead and guide here this morning? Is there something that someone you want me to talk to? Or how do you want me to build your kingdom, God? I know we have a lot of kingdom builders that are in the house here this morning. But we need to take a look and say, is it, am I doing what I need to do for my children? Am I doing what I need to do for my coworkers that need to hear Jesus? Let me leave a legacy this morning. So as the praise singers begin to sing this morning, I'm going to open these altars. And I pray that you would come and spend some time with the Lord this morning. Let's spend some time praying to him and say, God, if, this, if you've never talked to God before, this is a wonderful time to start. And say, God, what is it that you want, Lord God? How can we leave a legacy, Lord, that's going to know from generation to generation?